Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning. All right. Um, I wanted to share something I saw this morning, actually. Um, there's an author that I follow, and he posted something that I thought was really beautiful, and I want to start our day off with it because I think that um, it really just kind of captures a lot of what I'm, what I have in my heart for today, what I sense happening around. But he said, if Christmas is about being happy, jolly, untroubled, and therefore able to s- celebrate, few can participate. But Advent is about a broken people in a broken world yearning for a long-promised redemption. And I just think that that, for me, so well sums up um, a lot of how when I hang out with people and I talk to them and when we get past the, the, all of the, how are you, everything's good, everything's fine, and we get into the no, like, how actually are you, a lot of people are dealing with a lot of broken and loneliness right now and there's and as it so often happens joy will find its way into those same places and so people are dealing with that world right now but thankfully for advent we can come together and remember that advent is actually a really great time to to join in that history of broken people in a broken world awaiting for a long promised hope of redemption and today, um, I, I have the privilege to talk about peace as we are in week two of Advent. Um, and I was texting Jason this morning, and on our text, it said, he has notifications silenced. And then I noticed afterwards that there was an option that said, notify anyway. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to push that, like... <laughs> I don't care about your desire to not get my text right now. But for me, I was like, that also fits so much into a message about peace that no matter how many things we try to put in place, no matter how many things we try and carve out to make sure that nobody can infringe upon our, our time or our peace, that somehow we have des- there, there are designs to push through that. Notify anyway. I don't care that he wants peace right now. Push this through to his phone. And I just thought that that made me a little sad that, he, that even in that space where he was like, I want nobody to notify me, that we can sort of ignore that. Um, today, as I talk about peace, um, I've structured it so that we have three separate moments to breathe. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. And I just want to acknowledge up front that if you have never been in a group where you all do something that causes you to focus on the way that you breathe or with how present you are with your body, it can be really uncomfortable. Um, This is not going to be a long extended time in quiet, which can be um, powerfully uncomfortable. But this will be a time where as you breathe in, there's going to be a slide. Let's put up the first one up, uh, my first slide. So as you breathe in, I just want you to read those words. And as you breathe out, read those other words. And so we breathe in, 
you desire peace and you breathe out in me and to be made. So let's take a breath in and then breathe out. So each day we take about 26,000 breaths. That's about 14,000 liters of air. Uh, when we're distracted or distressed or when the pace of our life has gotten too quick, we breathe from our chests. And when I was in music s school, we learned that when you want to breathe properly, that there's actual power from when you breathe from your stomach. It's called diaphragmatic breathing. On average, each of us takes about 16 to 20 breaths per minute. But experts say that if you really want to get the most out of your breath, it should be about four to six. That on average, we're taking five times as many breaths per minute that we need to. Scientists say that we should be getting 99% of our energy from how we breathe. 99%. And on average, each of us is only accessing 10 to 20%. That all this extra breathing, all this extra hustling, all this extra stuff that we do, that it's actually working against our desire for peace. The way that we live our lives so often works against our own well-being. And today, for the second week of Advent, we're talking about peace. So as we make these moments today to breathe, I would encourage you that if the rest of your world doesn't allow you, doesn't encourage, because there aren't many places that actually encourage you to slow down. Most other places in our life, and sadly, it can happen in church too, church just becomes one more place where we're hustling, where we're moving quickly, where we're accomplishing things, we're tackling big things, we're talking about things. I am guilty more than anyone else on our teaching team of trying to pack too much into one time. And I felt so convinced that today it needed to be different. Last week we talked about hope. Danny brought a beautiful message, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, um, I encourage you to do that. Um, so I'm going to read John 1 again, verses 1 through 14. We'll start there. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with, with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Oh yeah, I'm reading a different translation, so if it seems off, uh, that's NIV. I have ESV here. Um, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, I was watching, I was watching uh, clips on a show, but that's about three lines down in my notes. So um, let's go back a little bit. Logos. <laughs> I'm, I'm ahead of myself, I'm telling you. I, I have to keep myself on track today because there are good things that I don't want to miss. Um, this, this word, the, the word that was with God in the beginning is, is kind of a complicated term to understand. Um, but we have, some, we have some things that we say that, that draw a little bit out of what the word might have meant. When you tell somebody, I give you my word, I give you my word is a way of, of packing into it your, your character, your promises. There's more to it. It carries power. It carries promise. The word logos was talked about, and it was this sort of combination idea that we have distilled into this, this uh John 1 translation, but the logos, the word, was the divine reason and the creative force that orders the universe. Jewish thought took the word to be something that was uh, dangerously alive, capable of changing things and ordering things, creating things. The creative word of God, the Jewish understanding of the word, also coalesced and combined his wisdom, his law, and his logos. So all three of these things were understood when it says the word was with God in the beginning. So often what we think about as the word are just things that we speak, but the word as we understand here was this combination thought of of his wisdom and his law and this divine, uh, powerful ordering of the entire cosmos, that that was with God in the beginning. Very often in, in the Bible, we'll see broad ideas um, talked about in the personification. Proverbs, wisdom is talked about as a woman over and over again. She a woman, and it's talking about wisdom, and it's helping us try to distill and understand and make tangible these ideas that are somewhat beyond understanding. And Jesus, the coming Lord who is our peace, is the personification of God's wisdom, his law, and his divine creative power, the logos. And not just in this metaphor, but in an incarnate reality, in an actual human being, that all three of those things, the Logos was with God, and then it's beautiful how it ends. John 1 is pretty widely understood amongst Bible experts as the most beautiful description. The first chapter of John is pretty widely known as the most beautiful description of the incarnation of God into Jesus that we have. That it is, an, it, is an, it is a master class in poetry. It is a master class in theology. If you want to just spend time rereading John 1 over and over again, you will never get to the end of, 
of the ways that it can bless you. So why does this matter to us? Now to talk about the clips I was watching. So uh, there's this documentary that's out now called The Rescue. And it's about the Tam Luang Cave Rescue. Does anybody remember that? So that's from 2018, which in like the last two years means that that feels like it was 45 years ago. So I was like, when the heck was that? But in 2018, from June 23rd to July 9th, there were 12 kids ages 11 through 16 and their coach. And after a practice, they, they explored this, this cave system, and then there was an, un, an unexpected heavy rainfall which flooded the cave system and trapped them in there. And listen to these numbers of how many people it took to, to kind of get them out. There were, it took more than 10,000 people, including more than 100, 100 divers, scores of rescue workers, representatives from 100 governmental agencies, 900 police officers, and 2,000 military soldiers to go in and rescue these 11 boys. But as I was watching it, I was really taken by the divers explaining how do they actually do that work. And I would think that we have the technology to kind of overcome anything like that, but there was a fair amount of panic that was happening there because when they got underneath all of the dirt that was in there, they couldn't see their hands. Their flashlights were useless. They were operating in the dark, not knowing which way was up. And they said the only way that you can know which way is up is by taking a deep breath. Because when you breathe deep, it produces bubbles. And if you are paying close enough attention, those bubbles will always travel up. And they're saying that all of these tools that we have, all of these amazing ways that try to tell us exactly how to do it, they said that all of that doesn't matter once things get really murky, that you have to pay attention to how, how you're breathing, and you have to slow down enough to pay attention to it. And I thought, man, how often do we actually make time to take a deep enough breath to pay attention to what's coming up? To what's coming up when we slow down enough? And I know that I don't do that enough either. There's a quote here that I um, heard a long time ago, but I also feel like it's appropriate now. This is a quote by Dallas Willard, and he says, Recently a pilot was practicing high-speed high speed maneuvers, and she turned the controls for what she thought was a steep ascent and flew straight into the ground because she didn't realize she'd been flying upside down. And I think that sometimes when things are moving too fast or when life is too murky, we can't trust our intuition the way that we usually can. And how do we orient ourselves correctly? What does this have to do with John 1? What does this have to do with peace? Our ability to orient ourselves to the way that God has designed things. The, the way that God has designed the human experience to flourish and be whole and be full of peace is something that we see in Jesus. And if we try to trust our intuition or what we believe is right when things get really quick, and believe me, the last two years have 
felt like they are full of speed and murkiness. Things are moving fast. Every day there's some major headline of something crazy happening. And it seems like nobody knows how to handle it. That's speed and that's murkiness. It seems like we are, we are sort of swallowed up in that. And so many people are struggling for how do we find peace in that? How do we know how to orient ourselves? And very often I think what Scripture calls us to is to orient ourselves in who we see in Jesus Christ. And Advent is our time to do that. But how often does Advent turn into a time where it's just more of the same? It's a quicker pace to get our shopping completed, to do all of the hangouts with people, to meet all of the expectations of, uh, I have no free weekends for the next four weeks. And at one point, I'm like, I love it because I'm hanging out with people that I care about. But at another point, I'm like, I usually come out of the Christmas season exhausted at a very time where we should be focusing our eyes on the one place that can help us orient in the midst of this crazy time, orienting ourselves to what is happening and how do we ground ourselves in that. The logos, the creative divine reason that orders the universe, all the law, all the wisdom became flesh in Jesus Christ and dwelt among us. What that means for us is that this human experience that we're having the very beautiful reality that God created you for such a time as this. It's no accident that we are alive right now in this room together in the midst of the kind of world that we're in. That the same reconciled, peace-filled, powerful, content, connected human life, one that is also well acquainted with sorrows, is not just reserved for the divine somewhere else. It's available and it's hopeful that it would be available to you in the divine that's in you. That same life that we see in Christ, the beautiful part of it is that it's not just reserved for him somewhere else only at one point in history, but that he came so that we might have hope to engage that same kind of life. That's the thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. Let's go to the next slide. Breathe in. His peace is a protector. And breathe out. In it, I can let my guard down. In the last few weeks... Um, I've had to deal with some medical things with my little Tasmanian devil, Sierra, where we've had to get, she's gotten her vaccine, she had to get some dental work done, and she reaches this point where she gets so concerned and so worried that her breathing starts to just, she gets panicky, and it becomes really hard to comfort her as a parent. She becomes more trusting in, in how her body is reacting that it actually becomes harder for me as a parent to comfort her. That when she doesn't slow down, it makes it harder for her to actually 
engage these things with any sort of peace. And I think, how often is that us? So quick to trust our responses to things that we just run without any sort of question and just allow ourselves to go off the rails that how often is it hard for us to receive the comfort and care of peace and peace of our Lord because we are just so ramped up. I see myself in her. I see us in her. And how, how much I long to be able to hold her and just help her to calm. But she has to believe first that I want good for her. That I'm for her. And peace will so often not even get off the ground unless we understand and we truly believe that God is for us. And he wants good for you. Unless we start from a place of knowing that God wants good for us, peace is hard to hold on to. Philippians 6 of 4.6 says, Do not be anxious, but in everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God, and the peace which passes all understanding will guard your hearts in Christ. Notice what that did not say. I brought this out because I was like, if I sit, will that look more peaceful? I don't know. Let's try it. Uh, I'm, I, I'm playing 4D chess here, everybody. Um, what it does not say is that the peace will change everything about your life. I don't like this. Sorry. I'm trying things out. You're all a part of a huge experiment in my life. <laughs> huge. It says that the peace of God will guard your heart. That in the midst of things not changing, in the midst of things actually becoming more chaotic around you, that the peace of God is very concerned with how you hold through that. When I think about what is the peace of Christ that it's talking about here, I have to go, okay, what did the peace of Christ look like in his life? If you read the Gospels, Jesus' life was anything but free of concern, free of people. It very often would say, and people tried to trap him and throw him off cliffs. The people closest to him abandoned him. His family didn't believe him. When he would preach things, half of the crowd would turn around and leave. The peace is something that has to show up when the world's peace proves to be counterfeit, which it always will. The peace, as it says in John 14, 27, my peace I give to you not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's pull up, uh, actually before we do the next slide, the biblical concept for peace as we would read in the Old Testament, was shalom. And the conventional understanding um, includes some of these things. It says, not being at war, harmony between people, security and freedom from violence, serenity, tranquility. But I want to bring up two verses that I think really well point out this broader picture of peace. In the Hebrew, it is shalom. In the Greek, it's irene. 
This is from Job 5.24. It says, you will know that your tent is shalom. And in various translations, it says secure, safe, but the actual word is talking about at peace. You will know that your tent is at peace. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. Nothing missing. Let's go to the next one. For he himself is our Irene, thus making peace. Keep that phrase in mind, making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Nothing broken. The idea of peace is that there would be nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace of God shows up when the world's peace proves to be counterfeit. Every, it's, it's, it's so true that we've seen so many people that have reached the end of pick your poison of one of the ways that people try to build their own peace. Money, power, fame, uh, fill in the blank of one of the ways that people say, if you just had a little bit more of this, you would then be at peace. Marketing is, is built around the idea that, and I've been in marketing in my, uh, in my other career for about 10 years, and one of the key proponents of marketing is you tell a person, you're incomplete without this. Let me give you the solution. If you pay attention, if you watch TV at all, if you go home and watch the Niners beat the Seahawks today, pay attention to the commercials in between. <laughs> and watch how often they will say, your life isn't complete, but here's the thing that will complete it. Trying to sell people peace. And what have we found out? If you've played that game for any amount of time, that it's like a dog chasing cars. Once they reach it, what do they do? Right? There is no amount of the world's peace that will actually accomplish what it promises to. It leaves you wanting. It is empty. It is counterfeit. The peace of God then steps in and says, okay, the real thing is that when all of that is taken away, are you able to be secure knowing that the life of Christ is something that is accessible to you, a content human life, one that is full of peace, one that actually pursues for yourself, that embraces for yourself, that actually works for others to make sure that there's nothing missing, nothing broken, is available to you. And that as we see in Jesus, when things were taken away, that even at his lowest point on the cross, that he was able to find peace, peace enough to know to forgive people, were harming him. Peace enough to serve a meal to the one who would betray him. I want that kind of peace in my life. The daily baptism in which we exchange our broken, missing, and incomplete, broken humanity for the life of Christ. That's the secret. Let's go to the next one then. Breathe in. Nothing missing. Breathe out. Nothing broken. Let's do that one one more time. Jesus, 
did not take his peace and retreat. Scripture says, blessed are the peacemakers. Peace that hoards or peace that ignores others is not the peace of Christ. That is our life in Christ and his life in us. Scripture talks about that over and over again, that we are grafted into his life, but that his life has become made accessible and available to us. So when we look at John 1 and we think about what are we doing with Advent if all we do is treat it with one more way of hustling, one more way of accomplishing, if Advent is just the same as every other time and we don't take a moment to breathe in and pay attention to where are those bubbles coming up. When we take time to slow down, Sometimes we avoid that because we know what will come up. Sometimes we avoid slowing down because we already know that if we slow down enough, what's behind us? My insecurities are behind me. My failures are behind me. All of these things that I'm, I'm running from and hustling are behind me, and I'm afraid that if I slow down enough that they're going to hit me. And Jesus calls us to, to hand over to him and say, we trust that you have good for me. We trust that you are good. And that right now in Advent, could we take a moment, could we take four weeks to slow down enough and look at the life of Christ and be encouraged to know that that's just not him somewhere else at some other point, but that that human experience, that way of living in peace when everything is falling apart, that way of being properly oriented so that when we make decisions in our life, we don't fly straight into the ground because we're flying upside down because we're going too fast. That we don't try to randomly trust our intuition or our instincts when things are so murky, but that we would orient ourselves to the life of Christ so that we could know which way is up when things get crazy. We need that now. This is our life in Christ and his life in us. All of this creative ordering, this transformative power, this ability to change the world, to make peace, to actually be um, participants in making peace, making things whole, finding things that are broken and healing them, finding things that are missing and contribute to them so that there's not missing for other people, that that participation is something that we are invited into. And in Jesus, we see God's heart for the design of all things and the design of you, that your heart, how much he longs for you to be free of anxiety, full of peace, while things don't change. And yet, when we wait and we long and we hope, we participate in this practice now that we carry into eternity of when he comes and all things are made whole and things are materially restored and things are actually brought back, that we long for that too. But the peace of Christ is awaiting you now. Would we slow down enough? Would we believe that he has good for us enough? So LBCF, before I read this, I'm going to invite the worship team up and I'm going to invite those up that are going to serve communion. So what I'm going to do is read a benedict.
kitchen here, and then I'm going to bring Gabby up at the end, and she's going to share about prayer. So I want to read this over us today. So LBCF, take a sec, actually. Just close your eyes. Take some deep breaths as I read this over you. So LBCF, let us pause, breathe, lay down our guard. Remember that there is a good God who wants us to be so full of peace that our hands have to find others to make it for. That we would make room for Christ's life in us so that we could live in that nothing missing, nothing broken reality that nothing could steal away. Amen. Welcome up. Gabby to teach us about prayer. Hi, guys. Good morning. Um, something I want to share with you guys is that um, I'm not the clearest thinking person. And um, when I teach, it's not because I've arrived, it's because I'm also learning, too, with you guys. Um, and today I just want to share with you that um, God has your heart. He always has your heart. Um, I want to read to you out of Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you, all those whose thoughts are fixed on, on you. And that part where it says your thoughts, our thoughts are fixed on him, that's prayer. So when we're thinking of him, we are constantly praying. Um, I'm reminded of the shepherds um, when the angels appeared to them and they, they went to go see um, Jesus, the baby Jesus. God interrupted them, um, th their society. They, he, they went to go see Jesus and then they went back and they told everybody about Jesus. And now the, their society told them that that wasn't their place. But Jesus had, God had other things in mind. And so he interrupts us. And um, it's funny, when he, Ryan was teaching about peace, you don't think of peace as being interrupted. That's it's upheaval. But um, sometimes God needs to interrupt us to give us peace. And we need to sit still, and we need to listen and do what he says to receive his peace. Um, Ephesians 3.20 says, um, never doubt God's mighty power to be at work in you. Uh, he will accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than you, your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will do them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. He's constantly it's like, were you, were you talking about the, the breath? Um, is constantly, he's constantly, I was thinking, he's constantly breathing into us. He's also constantly in our very minds, our synapses, our neurotransmitters that travel, our heart beats because he, every single beat, he creates through a whole lifetime. And everybody's all together in the world. He is the God of infinite wisdom 
and he's the one that is closest to your heart. So today, what we're going to do is we, we talked about listening last week. We're going to listen this week again, but we're not going to just listen to what he says about us. We're going to listen to what he puts on our heart for somebody else and what he wants to say on it. So the, our exercise this week is that we're going to say, God, who do you ha- who's on your heart? Tell me who you want me to, to think about and who you want me to pray about. And then ask him, what is the word that you want for them? And then share that with them. So this week, I want you to do that. Um, you have those little papers. You can take those with you. Um, so yeah, let me pray. And um, yeah, so when I pray, like I told you, I'm not the clearest thinking person, but for some reason when I pray, everything becomes really clear. And it's a miracle. <laughs> I'm just a walking miracle. <laughs> so Lord, I ask God that you would visit each person here today, Lord, that you would use us as a conduit to bring peace to another soul during this Advent season. God, would you anoint each person and those who are watching online, Lord God, would you anoint each person to do your will and to speak your word and to just bless some, be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you, Jesus, that you were so faithful and you were so good. Um, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.